Well, welcome everybody to the very first podcast presented to you by Right on Crime. Uh, this podcast is called Prosecutorial Innovation in America. Hard to say, but hopefully easy to understand. Uh, again, it's presented to you by Right on Crime. If you want to know more about us, go to rightoncrime.com. Um, I am Kurt Altman, your host uh, and the director of the Prosecutorial Innovation Project at Right on Crime. Uh, I'm a former federal and state prosecutor and looking forward to highlighting uh, prosecutors around the nation that are doing things different to try to make our justice system even better. Um, I am pleased to have our very, very first guest uh, for this podcast. Um, some might say guinea pig, but I'll say guest. Uh, he hails originally from Akron, Ohio. Where he Well, he went to Akron University where he obtained both his law degree and his MBA with a certificate of litigation. Uh, came to Arizona. He started in private practice where he served the local community members in a variety of matters, including juvenile law, delinquency and dependency, family law, guardianships, probates, wills, estates, and all that good stuff, and of course, criminal law. For those listeners, I want to introduce you to my friend, my colleague, uh, the Honorable Kent Volkmer, Pinal County Attorney here in Arizona. Kent, welcome. Thank you, Kurt. I appreciate the opportunity to come and have a chat with you. Kent, I pulled your bio off the Pinal County Attorney's website. Uh, I might add a great picture. But it says that Kent Volkmer, the Pinal County Attorney, strives to treat people with fairness, dignity, and respect. Mr. Volkmer's goal has been to create a system of individualized justice. He wants county prosecutors to look at each case on its individual merits and seek penalties that fit the individual crime. What? What does that mean? Can you tell our listeners what you mean by that statement? The easiest way for me to explain it is for far too long, I believe the prosecutorial community has failed to distinguish those that are truly dangerous in our community from those that have made a dumb decision. Uh, what we do is we treat everybody the same, regardless of their danger to our community, the risk to our community, the impact that their crime had on the community to the fabric of our society. It's never really been taken into consideration. Everybody's been put in little blocks boxes. We look at sentencing charts and we just say, well, this is what should happen instead of actually looking at the case, looking at the individual, assessing the risk that that person places to the community, assessing how, how much do they really harm the community and what's the best resolution. So it's really looking at cases individually. There's Every case is different. Every fact is different. Every victim's different. Every impact is different. And we really need to start looking at cases one by one, not in bulk. How big is your county? So we are geographically huge. We're about the size of the state of Connecticut. Uh, we've got half a million residents. Um, so we're the third largest in the state of Arizona. So tell me how that works. Y you say you have half a million residents. I imagine your office is very busy and you want to have every case looked at individually. What do you say to the critics that say, what about consistency? What about keeping the community safe? How can you staff an office that can look at cases individually and do what you're trying to do? Well, the issue that we have is what we've been doing for the last 60 years is not successful. Um, both in the state of Arizona and nationally, once somebody is sent to prison, five out of six of those people within nine years will reoffend and commit a new offense. So you're looking at an 83% recidivism rate. 
We've got to start looking at doing things smart. We already spend a ton of money in the industry. It doesn't take that much more to slow things down and to actually take a moment to look and see what individual people need. So is there a little additional expense? Absolutely on the front end, but it saves us millions and millions, if not billions on the back end. So I, I have, I guess, the advantage of knowing a little bit about your background. And you were in private practice in Pinal County. You'd never run for office before, right? That's correct. What made you go, hey, first, we're doing things wrong and I can do it better in the criminal justice system. And, and then what made you go, geez, I think I'll run for P Pinal County attorney because that's where I can make a difference. I assume that's what you were thinking. Absolutely. Um, so really what I guess opened my eyes to what's going on is I started seeing generational um, clients. I was representing grandparents, fathers, and their grandsons all at the same time. Um, it was bothering me almost always. Sounds like a pretty good practice. Financially, I did very well, <laughs> but, but morally, I felt uh, less than fulfilled. So we had these almost always revolving around substance abuse. And then there was this other part that always bothered me. And I would have clients that, that were truly evil, um, clients that, that were a danger to our community that would get a fairly light sentence. Then I would get somebody that did something stupid that was at the absolute worst point of their life. You know, they had some sort of life circumstances, some sort of trauma, and they end up getting the same consequence as that dangerous person. And I just started looking, saying that makes absolutely no sense. Here on one end, we've got somebody who really poses no danger to the community. They, they need a hand up. They need a little bit of help and somebody else that needs to be locked away because they're a danger and they're getting the same result. And uh, it just didn't sit well with me at night. And I decided that there was a better way to do things. And I tried to convince, you know, 200,000 residents that there was a better way. So you're a Republican. I am. Uh, ran as a Republican in what I would say, Pinal County, probably a pretty conservative law and order county. Is that right? Very conservative. Absolutely. Well, how did you get this message across for, for, for folks that are going to listen to this, that think the same way you do, or, or think it's a good idea that say, Hey, maybe I can do this. How do they get elected? How do you get this message across to a very conservative law and order type county? So there's two different lines of thought. There's the fiscal impact, and then there's sort of the moral impact. So Republicans, in my opinion, come in sort of two shades. They're either a fiscal conservative or they're a social conservative. The social conservatives really like the story of mercy. They like the story of redemption uh, and personal accountability, but also personal responsibility and helping people get up. So when you're talking to those sort of social conservatives, they really like um, understanding it in that context that that rings true to them. With the fiscal conservatives, it costs us $35,000, $40,000 a year to put somebody in prison. It costs us less than 10% of that to put somebody on probation. And again, I, I led earlier with 83% of people that go to prison reoffend. That doesn't even include the cost of crime. So if we just put somebody in prison for two years, they come out, they're worse off when they went in and they're reoffending, they're re-victimizing. That's not safety. It's not public safety. It's not financially responsible. We end up using all of these resources. They end up going back into DOC and the state ends up financially caring for their children and all of these other unintended social costs and the social safety net keeps getting strained. So it really, you just have to know your audience. Um, but I will tell you, both of those messages resonated very, very strongly with my very conservative um, constituents. So a little bit later in this broadcast, we're going to get into some of the things you're doing in the office. But I know that I see you with the legislature a lot. Um, maybe not your first year. You've been office in office since January of 2017, right? That's correct. So you're in your second term. Yes. Uh, and I see you roaming the hallways of the Capitol 
uh, sometimes on the same side of a criminal justice issue with me and right on crime, sometimes not. Uh, down there, I remember a judicial judiciary committee chair who would look me in the eye and say, seems to me like more people in prison, less crime. Do you agree with that comment? I think I know the answer, but tell me why. I would be lying if I didn't say putting people in prison doesn't reduce the crime in the short term. But in the long term, it does not work because what you create is you create a cycle. Um, we know based on adverse childhood experiences, we know based on the psychology, on criminology, we know that you create this cycle. And if a father goes to prison, if a mother goes to prison, the likelihood of that child starting to use substances, the likelihood of that child not graduating high school, the likelihood of that child acting promiscuously, that likelihood of that child engaging in criminal behavior dramatically increases. So you, you can short-term reduce your criminal rate by throwing people in prison, but the back-end damage is tenfold what it is on the front end. And I assume you think, and you have the numbers to show that that ends up costing society, the community, the taxpayers more money in the long run. Arizona is a perfect example. We spend well over a billion dollars. At one point, it was almost 10% of our budget that we were spending on our Arizona Department of Corrections. Well, we'll get into how ridiculous the budget can be sometimes, but I think this year's budget finally passed, right? At 1.3 for the Department of Corrections here in Arizona? I believe that's correct. Uh, so would you consider, if I said, hey, Kent Volkmer, Republican county attorney, for those out there listening, county attorneys, similar, same thing as a district attorney called everywhere else, but Arizona is different. Don't forget about that. Republican conservative county attorney that's a reformer. Would that be an accurate statement? Reform is a very loaded term. Um, I'm somebody that believes that there's always room for improvement, and I think the criminal justice system is ripe for improvement. So we hear about reformers that are in district attorney positions all around the country. Uh, some names like have become national, um, I guess, bullseyes from the supporters and detractors. Krasner, Choi, Gascon. I can't pronounce the guy's name that just got thrown out of office in San Francisco. Uh, yes, him too. What makes you different than them? Because there's some backlash now. Crime rates are rising. Whether that's actual or perceived, perception is reality, right? There's a lot of, lot of uh, pushback to these prosecutors that are doing things differently. How is your process different than theirs, and how do you separate yourself? It gets back to that individualized concept. So what they do is entire systematic offenses just saying blanketly, we're not going to prosecute this or we're going to prosecute these less and we're going to reduce stuff. That does not reflect on the damage that's being done to our community. It doesn't reflect on the danger, inherent risk that that person is to our community. My process is a risk first basis. I don't care what you're in there for. I'm looking at you as a defendant. I'm looking at your circumstances. I'm looking at the risk that you're placing in our community. If I systematically just start saying, okay, this type of offense, I'm automatically putting you on probation regardless of your risk to the community, you're potentially endangering the community. So we're really looking at a risk base. It's a public safety based. It's not an emotional. It's not a, hey, I'm trying to make amends for past historical wrongs. I'm focused primarily and almost exclusively on the public safety aspect. Has it been hard to get buy-in from folks in your office? Not really. 
Um, and I will tell you, one of my biggest supporters are actually our chiefs of police um, because they understand if they bring somebody that's a danger to me, we're going to hold them accountable. Uh, what, what I think for too long people have thought, mm, I'm going to throw somebody in prison because it's going to be a, uh, you know, I'm going to scare them straight. I, I'm going to you know, punish them so they're going to change their behavior the way that we want. And that's not what prison's for. Prison is a warehouse where we keep people that are too dangerous to keep in our community. And my commitment to my local law enforcement and my chiefs are, if this is one of those dangerous people that's placing our constituents, placing our neighbors, our loved ones, our friends in danger, we're going to put them away. And we're going to put them away for a long time. But if it's somebody that needs help, somebody that needs to be lifted up, somebody that needs to be to get some sort of counseling or to get something to make them a, a productive member of society, if we can get that to them and get that to them quicker, they're always coming back to our community. At least now they're coming back as a productive member of our society who has jobs, who's caring for their kids, who's a taxpayer, who's not giving our police a hard time. So these are all great theories. Uh, they seem great when you say them out loud. Uh, they seem to make perfect sense. What specifically, since you've taken office in Pinal County, have you done to try to, I guess, accomplish or, or get to your goals through these series? What, what specific programs, techniques, policies, what have you done to change the culture in Pinal County uh, since you've been there? Diversion's an easy example. Uh, the easiest way to, to describe diversion, um, essentially all of these listeners here, I'm pretty confident at some point in their life have probably committed a felony. Uh, I don't say that to try and embarrass anybody, but if you've ever smoked weed, if you ever used recreational drugs, if you've ever woke up at 10 o'clock and had a toothache and you took your spouse's medication, if you ever threw your back out and you called a buddy to come give you some, some you know, narcotics to help dump, you know, numb the pain. If you're ever at a party and you were the, the most sober friend, but you were drinking too and you drove everybody home, those are all felonies. I'm going to, you know, you know, because you know me, that I also run a criminal defense practice. So I'm going to ask our listeners to take the fifth <laughs> based on what you just said there. But please go on. So everybody's committed a felony. I mean, except for me, of course. And what we've seen for the last 100 plus years is we've seen the continued increase in the criminalization of behaviors that were never really intended to be criminalized. Uh, what I would suggest to your listeners is the vast majority, our community doesn't benefit if I convict you of a felony and I brand you with the scarlet F on the chest for the rest of your life. So you have limited access to public means. If you have limited access to uh, you know, government loans, you have limited access to be promoted and to care for your family. Diversion are for those people that really made a dumb decision. Uh, and community doesn't benefit by us criminalizing them. It doesn't benefit by giving them this criminal record that's going to carry with them for the rest of their life and negatively impact them. So what we do is we make you make amends. We have you assessed. We look at, you know, do you have a substance abuse issue? Do you have an anger management issue? What What's going on in your life that caused you to, to, you know, make this bad decision? Is there anything we can do to fix it? We have you do some community service. Um, and ultimately, if you victimize somebody, you have to pay restitution. And then if you successfully complete, we dismiss all charges. Sounds to me like, um, well, I, I guess this is a two-part question. One, is this program that you've implemented only for certain crimes or are there certain things excluded? And two, sounds like all these uh, other programs, assessments and stuff cost money. And I know that as county attorney, you're not only in charge of the criminal prosecution section of the county, you... Uh, handle all the legal matters and have to have a budget. Like, how do you pay for this or how have you paid for this? So we have been able to get some national grants. Um, the federal government gave us about a $1.25 million grant. A lot of counties have diversion programs. 
But something that we put forward that nobody's ever done before is you do all of these testings. Uh, they come in, you do an assessment, risk assessment, you give them all these services, and then you just set them free into the community. You know, go free, never commit another crime, you're done. What we've what we did that other people haven't is we actually test them on the back end. So before they're released, we have them do all these tests over again to see if we have, in fact, actually reduced their risk to the community. Uh, we've partnered with ASU, Arizona State University, our local state university, to help um, tabulate and correlate all of this information. Um, and our board has been willing to spend some of this money on this because, again, if we put you in jail, it costs me $120 a day to keep you in jail in Pinal County. If I put you on probation, it's going to cost us $4,000. If I put you in prison, it's costing us $40,000. This is the least expensive alternative to try and get people fixed. The other thing that we do is we work directly with their insurance providers. So I don't say you have to take this particular class from this particular provider. Instead, we work directly with you and say, hey, what, what insurance do you have? What does your insurance cover? What does the state cover and then we vet the programs but provided the program meets a minimal standard we allow the people to complete the program in their local neighborhoods that is most beneficial and most cost effective to them and it ends up being by far the least expensive alternative to address these underlying issues how about results i mean how long have you been doing it and what do the numbers look like if you have them because i know numbers on diversion programs like this and people that reoffend or don't reoffend or are tough to come by and it kind of depends on who you ask, but what are your numbers looking like in Pinal County? I will tell you, I love numbers, but I also acknowledge, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt who said there's lies, damn lies and statistics. Um, but uh, so in 2014, we had seven people in all of Pinal County that went through diversion. We put about 850 in last year. That's pretty consistent. Um, we have about a 7% recidivism rate um, for those that actually go through our program. So again, if you go to prison, there's an 83% recidivism rate. Um, probation's around 17%, latest numbers that we've heard, and um, our diversioners are about 7%. So they've been very, very successful. Um, and that the purpose of, of diversion isn't just to get them through the program. The purpose of diversion is to help them become a productive member of society. So that doesn't reflect the people that we've helped establish stable living. That doesn't reflect the people that we've helped get jobs. I mean, what we know from probation, what we know from the criminal justice world is we want somebody to truly reintegrate and be successful in our community. They need two things. They have to have stable living, stable residence, and they have to have a job that pays a living wage. Um, when you have a felony on your record, it's really difficult to get both of those. So what this does is we actually help people along. We actually help them with job placement. We work with Arizona at Works, which is a local job placement that helps pay living wages or people find living wages. So while they're not committing crimes, they're also becoming productive members of society who are paying their taxes, who are buying houses, who are raising their children. And that's really hard to put a dollar figure on that. So I was a prosecutor for a long time. I'm going to change gears a little bit because you and I had talked about what I'm about to bring up offline. I was a prosecutor for a long time, both state and federal worked with everybody from patrol police officers to FBI agents, detectives, you have it. The perception of law enforcement is that they're um, hardcore, no matter what you do, no discretion, lock them up, arrest them, you know, get them off the streets. You had told me once when we were on the phone, I think, about how you are working with law enforcement uh, and honestly, it kind of surprised me how you're working with law enforcement to try to reduce the number of cases that are coming through the system. Explain to our listeners a little bit about what I'm talking about and what you're doing with your local law enforcement out in Pinal County. 
Well, I mean, we do a lot of things to make sure that they're in the loop. Every other month, all of our chiefs meet. We talk about various crimes that we're seeing in the community, various trends that we're seeing, different things we're seeing in different areas. We talked a little bit about the geography. Our county is so large, we have these giant silos. So we have a community, and then it's 15 miles to the next community. It's 15 miles to the next community. Uh, What's happening is... Uh, there's nothing kind of in between those 15 miles and those communities have not always shared information. So one, we really share information. But getting back to that individualized justice thing that I talked about before, when you're looking at a case individually, when you're looking at the merits of a case, the actual officer on the ground carries significant weight. Um, They're the ones that know what's going on. They're the ones that know, is this person a true risk to our community? When we look simply at a police report, We know what's in the report, but anybody that's ever experienced anything and then tried to reduce it to writing immediately thereafter, there's so many thoughts that are going in your head. There's so many perceptions that you don't necessarily reflect in your writing. So what happens is our attorneys are speaking individually with all of our law enforcement officers. We're asking them what's going on in this case. Uh, We have the ability for them to come in and say, hey, this is a person who, you know, did something stupid but they've really tried to change their life. They've really been doing a lot of good things and cases that ordinarily we'd say, yeah, we're putting this person in prison based on that communication with law enforcement. We're giving them probation. We're giving them the help that they need. The The inverse is true as well. Officer says, yeah, this, this may seem like it's not a major case, but look, this guy has done this. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this. And we're able to make sure that the sentence or the consequences appropriately and accurately reflect the danger this person places in our community. I can't do that as an attorney. I can't do that sitting in an office, reading a piece of paper without that direct communication with our individual law enforcement officers. So how many, how many assistants or deputies, I guess we call them here in Arizona, average do you have in your office? 40, 42. 40, 42, give or take. And then what are they carrying as far as felony caseloads? Do you have any idea? COVID screwed things up. Yeah. Um, it, unfortunately, we did see a little bit of an increase. We try and keep it at not much more than 50. Um, what we've discovered is if you get more than 50, people start focusing on the cases that matter to them and start paying less attention to the cases that don't. So fortunately, I have a, a board of supervisors who sets our budget, who understands this, who I have a great relationship with, who I've been able to demonstrate that our using statistics, using our method where we're actually giving individualized attention that's necessary, we've been able to significantly reduce the number of crimes being committed in our community. So we've been able to get funded because they know in the long term, putting a little bit money up front saves us, again, millions, if not billions on the back end. So your deputies carry about 50 cases a piece. You have 40 to 42, and you have your deputies going out there and talking to law enforcement on almost every case or every case if possible to try to work these things out and find out the right thing to do? So we always have an open door. Um, anytime an officer wants to call, they're more than welcome to come in. We have our senior team that staffs cases periodically. Actually, every Tuesday afternoon, we staff cases. We invite the case officers and the case agents to come in and listen to the staffing. When we as attorneys talk about the merits of the case, what we like, what we don't like, what we're considering, we always solicit their information. On homicides and major crimes, my attorneys go out on scene. Um, something I recently implemented within 60 days of charging. Um, my attorneys have to go meet face-to-face with the victim. Provided they're in the state of Arizona, they're going to sit down with the victim. They're going to talk about the impact of this offense on them and on the community. Uh, and oftentimes the officers are involved with that. So I can't tell you that in every single case that every single officer has spoken with because there's some run of the mill. There may be a drug paraphernalia case that, that doesn't need it. But when you're talking about violent crimes, when you're talking about victim crimes, when you're talking about crimes where the perception of the officer is valid, yes, it is my expectation that my DCAs, my deputy county attorneys will have that conversation. 
And it sounds like some of the things you're doing in Pinal County uh, that's relatively new are working. Is that right? Absolutely. And what about the community? I mean, are they buying in? Are they happy as far as you can tell? And I ask that because I did find a Facebook post or a Facebook page or whatever they call it that said, don't trust Kent Volkmer. So there's always critics, but how, how's that going? There is. You mentioned it earlier. One of the problems we have is perception is reality. Even though our crime rate is as low as it's ever been, if you base it on a per 10,000 uh, residents, we're at about 83% less crime than we were in 2006. Um, so I want you to think about that. Since 2006, we have 83% less reported crime in Pinal County. Our crime rate is as low as it's been since the 60s. Um, but the problem is that's not what the media is telling everybody. That's not what the newspaper is telling everybody. That's not what Facebook and our other social media pages. So once I have an opportunity to explain people and I can speak with them and I can show them the statistics and the data, I've got complete and utter buy-in. Uh, sometimes, though, um, if I can't reach them, they're a little less than happy. <laughs> so you're in your second term. You were elected, I guess, in 2016, sworn in in 2017, elected again uh, last year. No, 2020. So you're halfway through your second term. Uh, what's next? Right now, we're working on fine tuning what's going on. Um, you know, we've we've hit a really good place. Um, our crime index rate is phenomenal. Uh, you know, I've got a really good team of prosecutors, but there's always room for improvement. Uh, what you always want to do is, is when you run a new program, when you do diversion, for example, you want to cherry pick the easiest cases. You want to make sure that you're not placing the community at risk. So now we're starting to expand. We're starting to see who else can we reach? What more serious offenses? You asked the question earlier, is there certain offenses that we don't allow people in? There's not a categorical denial, but we look at, hey, is this somebody that we can really help? And if we're wrong, is this somebody that's going to put our community at risk. Hey, look, I've got three young children. I live in this community. My wife lives in this community. Our friends, family, loved ones, they're in this community. The last thing that I want to do as a prosecutor is place my community and my family at risk. But right now, the, what we're doing is expanding and we're seeing where else can we start targeting? Where else can we start saying, hey, this person really isn't the danger that maybe we once thought they were. And with the right circumstances, partnering with probation, partnering with their law enforcement community, can we build a program around these type of offenses to safely integrate them into our community? And that's really where I think the next step is, is to continue to expand what we're doing and, and to maybe start taking some bigger steps. Well, I mean, it sounds pretty amazing, some of the stuff you're doing, and I hope you keep doing it. I, I think it takes courage, especially to be a Republican, conservative, to step out there. I know it takes courage to walk next to me at the legislature. I appreciate it when you do and when you stand up for uh, what Right on Crime is doing and what we believe in. Um, so we're working towards the end of this very, very first podcast. Again, before we end, I want to thank Kent for being our first guinea pig and guest. Uh He's got this down. I'm not sure that I do. But there are a couple things that I think our listeners are going to want to know before uh, we hang up, so to speak. Obviously, you came from Ohio to Arizona. Pinal County is a vast county, as you said, full of, you know, a lot of different cactus. Do you have a favorite one? These are important biting deep questions, Kansas. There's no other place that you can find it in the entire world. Well, there you go, the saguaro. Now, because you came from the backwoods or cornfields, cornfields, not backwoods. I'm from the backwoods of Pennsylvania. You are from the cornfields of Ohio. When I was growing up in Pennsylvania, Ohio had one thing. It was called Cedar Point. 
a really cool uh, amusement park. Now it has two things. It has Cedar Point and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in beautiful Cleveland. Who's your favorite artist in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Ha, he's thinking deeply. Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I will make a shout out to America's Roller Coast, which is uh, Cedar Point. It is still thriving and an outstanding place. My kids go there every year. My favorite rock and roll. Um, you know what? I, I always grew up loving Ozzy Osbourne. Um, just Iron Man and everything else. That was just, uh, I, I got to say it's Ozzy. All right. Well, Ozzy, it is good. I like that. I like, I cannot argue with that selection. Um, well, I think that's getting us towards the end of our very first uh, Right on Crime Prosecutorial Innovation in America podcast. I want to thank, very much thank uh, Kent Volkmer for joining us to be the first guest. Hopefully, when we get this down, you'll come back, talk about some other good stuff you're doing. Happy to do it. If you want to know more about Pinal County and Kent Volkmer, you can go to PinalCountyAttorney.org. And if you want to know more about what we're doing, WriteOnCrime.com. You'll find out what we're doing with the prosecutorial initiative, what we're doing in the different states around uh, the country, and how we're trying to make our system, by being the adults in the room, better on a daily basis. I want to thank my technical assistants in Austin, Zach and Tanya, and of course my producer who's sitting right next to me, Ashley. Kent, until we talk again, thanks for being here. Thank you and take care. Thanks, everybody.